This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies as we take you through here. The week, obviously, combine being the focus here. Your host, Jeff Lloyd from SportsIllustrated.com. Mr. Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, you know, Pete, obviously today, you know, what we get is, you know, first round of measurements, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, everybody checking in. Um, You know, some give you some concern. Obviously, you know, hand size season is always one. Um, nice call on Thaddeus Moss. He becomes an interesting guy at, you know, six, one and change two fifty. uh, Steven Sullivan looks to be the premier size guy you're looking for. <clears throat> Obviously was never used in the way traditional tight end would be used in today's NFL, uh, wide receivers, you know, it, it, we said it was a deep class and you literally have all the types, Pete, you've got the Smurfs, you've got the big guys, um, you know, certain speedster who may be the fastest wide receiver of them all, maybe has the biggest set of mitts in the entire class, Pete. Um, interesting, um, you know, but look, testing. And then we'll get to, uh, and they're already starting to come out a little bit, Pete, that, you know, maybe some agents and representing the, you know, representing the clients and guiding them that maybe these primetime workouts aren't in the best nature for them. Well, there's a lot of complaining uh, about, everything uh, with the combine uh, from the changes to the meetings, which I don't think mean that much uh, to, to the, you know, trying to maximize ratings or money or whatever it is, uh, but putting it on prime time because I don't think it will actually do better with ratings. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there, you know, there've been a few notables that aren't working out. Uh, Chase Young isn't working out. You know, they're saying he'll wait till pro day. Chase Young doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> he, can, he can sit on his couch for the next two months and he's still going to. I'm going to the Bahamas. I'll see you guys all in Vegas when this sucker kicks off. Talk to you then. I mean, there, there's something to that. I, I don't know if his, his representation is, is considered that or not, but I mean, what he doesn't have, he can only hurt himself. And I mean, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, the uh, he didn't have to come back from the suspension. He could have said, "You know what? Over, out." Yeah, and technically, because so that is one one of the things that people are picking on him about is, well, where were the sack numbers after he came back from the two week suspension? Yeah, which is you know, asinine. That's fun. He's getting the Miles Garrett treatment. Um, uh, Ashton Davis not working out. Uh, they're saying he he's still not done rehabbing from an injury. He's going to go up pro day. Um, he's a track Tyler guy. Johnson. He's supposed to do very well. Uh, Tyler Johnson out. Uh, he's going to test the pro day, which to my understanding, Minnesota has not yet announced when that's happening. I, but uh, they're I thought not I saw March 25th, but don't quote me on it. Yeah, they're not citing an injury. Uh, they uh, So, I mean, this you know, he, he's not expected to test well. It's basically – he just has to test well enough where it's not a problem. Um, so, they, you know, it's not the end of the world, but you know, obviously it doesn't ease concerns uh, about his athleticism that's, you know, that, that, that is a question mark. But, uh, yeah, some of the weigh-ins, you know, I didn't really see anything all that notable about the tight ends, but the receivers, 
you mentioned Henry Ruggs, the non-productive. Uh, he's got really big mitts, um, which is good. I mean, for, for what he's going to be asked to do, um, obviously he has to test as well as he's alleged he can. Um, there are people saying he's going to be one of the one of those who's flirting with the notion that he's going to break the record for uh, uh, the 40-yard the, the dash, uh, beating John Ross's record. Um, big, big hands over 10 inches, good for him. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, you know, he measured in. I had no idea he was that thick. And, uh, I don't know how much water any of these guys drank, but, you know, he could make his blood base almost basic. And, and even if he drops all that, it's still not going to be a problem. Like that's a really good measurement for him. Um, there's a lot of similarity to Corey Coleman with him, but he's, he's, uh, his arms are longer, his hands are bigger, and he's much heavier uh, by about 10 pounds, uh, 12 pounds uh, from Coleman doing this. And then uh, obviously he's another guy who, who who's flirting with that type of speed. So, you know, I know a lot of people are high on rugs, but, you know, we'll see how the testing goes. But I know Rager has some issues with, with catches and stuff like that, but this is why I think Rager's a better prospect. He's got elite production in the background. And then last but not least is uh, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, uh, who has exceptional production. And he came in and, and measured well across the board. He's 206 pounds or something like that. But uh, he has an 80-inch wingspan, uh, and that's you know notable for him. He's got reasonably sized hands and stuff like that, but he's another – a guy who can can do some yards after catch stuff, can stretch the field. Just uh, there, those who believe he's a better prospect than uh, Nikhil Harry, who was my number one overall receiver from last year. Uh, so you know he's obviously a really talented prospect. So I, I mean, the other if, if there's one other note I would say from the receivers is that KJ Hamler is even shorter than they thought he was. Um, he's <laughs> five eight and five eight. I, I you know I I don't. I see the speed on tape. I see a lot of talent with him. Unless you're basically convinced he's Tyreek Hill, I, I don't understand how he's going as high as some people think he is, especially with everybody else who's in this class. But he's he's a really nice player. I get it, but he's tiny. Like he is a legit midget, and you know he's 100 and I think 80 pounds, and that may be soaking wet. So. I have more questions than answers with guys like that. I think the one thing that was maybe okay for Hamler was actually the hand size wasn't too bad, but um, you know, and you're going to see how this works out because we're getting to the point now where it's um, you know, like you brought up Ayuk or whether it's Chanel, there's these guys who can <clears throat> work in as like jet sweep types. And normally these were your traditional, you know, this is what you did with the smaller Smurf guys. Um, if these guys run in the four fours, that's not much of a big of a difference. And the other thing is, is, you know, if they sort of get confronted within a jet sweep, they can still have the ability to, you know, be physical enough to get off it. It's not going to be a four yard loss. You know, they may be able to break the tackle and if anything, turn it to a one yard gain if it gets blown up. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, Hamler, obviously, you know, there's you know ways you can use them all over the field, but you know, when you were that light, man, it's, it's really, it, it it's a difficult one. You're that tiny. Um, and especially in, when, you know, you're in a class as crazy deep as this one is here. We're going to uh, shift on over, uh, you know, to the linebacker preview. With this, there's some guys who are with the linebackers, maybe not necessarily linebackers. For more here, Locked On Browns, Jeff Floyd, Pete Smith. Folks ask all the time. Um, obviously, a lot of folks trying to put out 
you know, apparel and t-shirts and all that stuff. One of my favorite, the folks over at Zabo, S-Z-A-B-O, Craig and his family, uh, you know, military family. Obviously, Craig served for many years. His two children serving currently has a younger daughter. Um, it's not click, rush to click, clickbait type of stuff. It's well thought out. It's because they're deep fans of the franchise. Go to road games, go to home games. Just, you know, good family. And they put out a good product, holds up to a wash. It lasts. If you're looking for something, I'll recommend Zabo Apparel. Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com, Zabo Apparel on Twitter, on Instagram. Go ahead, check out the fine folks over at Zabo. So, Pete, you know, and in, in this it's interesting here with the linebacker class. Obviously, you know, there's this could be a huge need for Cleveland. It could be just a need for Cleveland. Um, but, you know, in, in this day and age, the way the sport is played, you need these guys who, you know, 235, 240, who can do everything. Um, it's rare that you get an Isaiah Simmons who can do these type of things. And again, guys just don't see the need as far as where he's going to go, but you need these guys who can, you know, stop the run. You need these guys who can cover backs. You need these guys who can cover tight ends and you get into this class and, you know, and this is a group here, obviously Pete, where there's going to be some guys not working out. You're not going to have a Marcus Bailey working out. You're not going to have a Jordan Brooks working out from Texas tech. And, you know, we'll see when these guys get to town, who actually is going to work out. There are guys who are really more traditional pass rusher types, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee, uh, your boy, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, uh, DaVinci out of, out of LSU. He's another one who's not truly traditionally a, you know, uh, obviously, you know, a traditional linebacker, uh, you know, Anthony Jennings, whoever you want to play, what his career was out of, out of Alabama. Um, Curtis Weaver from Boise State, another one who's more maybe a edge pass rusher than he is a linebacker. Again, please get this right. Identify these players, put them in the correct workouts. Just find a way to have these guys work out with their peers. Do all the drills. I don't care, but you know, to have guys that are 250 working out with defensive linemen, but guys that are 250 working out with linebackers, it's just asinine. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, so yeah, Marcus Bailey is really interesting out of Purdue, uh, but. I, you know, whether he or not he's working out, it doesn't matter. It, if he's there, uh, which I hope he is, it's entirely about checking out both of his knees. He said ACL tears on both of them. So, Oh, I love the kid, but it's day three, or, or I'm not even interested. Yeah, he's fascinating uh, because, you know, the Columbus kid that went to Purdue, and he's better than, like, all the Columbus kids, uh, that, that, and, you know, better than all the kids at Ohio State this year, just on pure talent. Uh but yeah, that's a huge issue. Michael Divinity, you have to check into some background there uh, and why he left the program for quote unquote personal reasons and then was suddenly back to the national championship out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's another class where there's all, all of uh, all, all shapes and sizes for the linebacker position. I don't know why. Or if this is how it happens and, and they just don't talk about it, why any prospect wouldn't just get to pick what group they're in? Like, you know, if you, if you want to make Or at yourself... least his agent. Or you like you go to the agent. You know, where, what, what, where are we trying to market it? And then if there's where, hey, 10, 12 team, 10 or 12 teams say, hey, would you mind doing these other workouts? Or even three, four drills at another position. Yes. Well, yeah, but that's what that I mean. That stuff needs to evolve. If you leave it up to the player, I don't care if, uh, you know, a safety wants to go work out at a tight end. That's fine, but at least you know, you know they they can make that potentially poor decision themselves, or they can at least get a better apples to apples comparison as to some of these things. 
when they're happening. So, yeah, there's no question that you're going to have some of that stuff, like uh, some of these guys who just don't matter at particular positions and they're going to be out there, you know, trying to backpedal and basically fall over themselves and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. And you go through this further here. You have some guys with incredible production, most likely going to be day three guys, You know, whether it's a Curtis Weaver, whether it's a Davion Taylor from Colorado. Obviously, both these guys need to put together a phenomenal workout. You know, questions there. Malik Harrison, obviously great career at Ohio State. Questions going to be the, you know, the athleticism. Um, you know, Troy Dye. At, go ahead. Another guy who didn't produce. I'm sorry. Like, this is another guy who's really highly rated. Malik Harrison never hit 10% solo tackle market share. He's a freaking Ohio State linebacker. They aren't good. Like, there's a lot of these linebackers that just aren't good. And people can take them aside. Patrick Queen, you know, that's. Go that's ahead, sir. The one. floor is yours. I know you've been waiting for this moment. And part of this is what we've done back and forth. It, you know, like, because I'm starting to learn these numbers and I send them to Pete and Pete's like, well, that's not good. And then, you know, and then when everybody, well, and Pete kind of took this today, well, he didn't really start the first four games. Well, what the hell? Why didn't he start the first four games? Isn't that like a really, really big question? Granted, obviously LSU was 4-0, and but, you know, and this is one, Pete, we always do is, you know, would you like this or would you like that? Would you like Patrick Queen, where he's going to get drafted, or would you like his teammate Phillips, most likely where he's going to get drafted? Well, Patrick Queen, I don't know how many games he did or didn't start, but the dude had 37 solo tackles on the year, and he had four games, and they weren't all at the beginning of the season, where he had zero. You're a linebacker. That is your entire freaking job. Go tackle people. Um so, you know, you can get caught up in, in what he's done recently or whatever that, but you're comparing that to a guy like Kenneth Murray, who, you know, 13% solo tackle market share last year, 12.5% solo tackle share market market share this year. Never in, in the last two years, he has one game with zero solo tackles, and that was Florida Atlantic to open up the season last year. So, I mean, again, I think people make this shit way too complicated. What is the job of the linebacker? Go make tackles. You certainly want them to be able to cover. You certainly want them to be able to do other things. But ultimately, your job is to make tackles. I don't care what defensive position you play on the field. Your job is to put guys on the ground. If the guy on the other team has the ball, you have to tackle them. And we're talking about a position where that's the entire thing. And Patrick Queen has a 7.6% total tackle mark share, which is eerily similar to Mac Wilson, who can't play dead. I hope he gets better, but he sucked, and I had that right. Um, and, uh, you know, a guy like Queen, if he didn't tackle and you're saying, well, he didn't play, is that supposed to help your argument or not? Because he doesn't have much experience, and you're not talking about him in the first round. And, you know, we'll see what happens, but this is what uh, – I don't expect Queen will drop because I expect he'll test better, but – you know, this is the thing we talked about. Well, Mac Wilson's a second-round linebacker. Well, he went in the fifth round. Is that – are we going to see something like that happen to Queen where they – you know, all these people are high on him and then the draft happens and he's sitting there, in the, you know, the end of round two because, holy crap, he didn't actually do anything in college. Like, this is not the NBA draft. You actually have to do something in the NFL – or college in the uh, to go to the NFL. Like, it makes no sense, and yet that's where people want to go. But, yeah, Malik Harrison – didn't produce uh you know there are very few ohio state players that are, are worthwhile 
you know, after you get past Young and Akuda, and they may be, you know, the, the second and third pick or wherever the Lions finish up with their pick, essentially, you know, Ohio State or former Ohio State guys going to the top three. But after that, it gets pretty freaking lonely pretty fast. And, you know, these are guys, and I know I'm going to get people arguing with me about this, uh, you know, telling me how the Browns have to take, you know, Malik Harrison and, and K.J. Hill and all these guys. And then they'll point to, well, look at what uh, the 24-year-old guy who didn't produce is doing in Washington. And I, I'll say it's an outlier, and then they'll insist it isn't. So, you know, that's that's what it is. You want To me, you want – Guys who are really productive in college who are also really athletic and per- preferably younger, but they actually have to do those things. So the idea that you're going to take a guy theoretically in the first or second round that is missing at least two of those things is terrifying to me. And Well, I mean, a couple of things here. Um, everybody wonders why we love Joe Schobert like the way we do. Um, 100 tackles per year over three years. Yeah. That's a good reason to love a linebacker. That is exactly what he's supposed to do. Interceptions, gravy. The pass rush and what he's able to do there, gravy after that. But he's able to do what the textbook definition of what a linebacker is supposed to do. Pete, give the numbers here. What is the scare number as far with linebackers, as far as market share? Because when we say it, people, I, I know it goes over their heads. So for those listening, what's the scare number? What's good enough? What's, oh, crap, that's really, really good? So, uh, you know, you can get really technical with this, but the short version would be if you're under 10%, you should be concerned. Uh, and if you're between about 13 and 15%, you're, 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 you're like 10% is, is fine. You know, it's not, not great, but it's, at least you're, you're in the conversation. When you get up to 13, 14%, you're very, very good. And then you get up to like 15% and you're in the elite category of, you know, this guy, you know, more than, you know, this is, this is what you want. The guys who, who crushed it were super productive. So when you're talking about a guy like, I'm looking at guys, a bunch of guys who, who had like, you know, 15% or in this case, you know, a guy like Kenneth Murray who had 13% last year comparing to that to a guy like Patrick Queen. And we did this last year, uh, you know, who – is about half of that at 7.6. That was the same problem with Mac Wilson, who had, you know, a comparable solo tackle market share. It was actually worse than Greedy Williams at LSU, who people said couldn't tackle. So that would scare me. So, yeah, you want to stay above 10%. Uh, and then if, if they're around that 10% number, you're hoping they tested really well. So a guy that would probably fit into that category, you know, based on we'll, we'll see, this is a big week for him, would be, uh, Akir G- Gaither Davies or whatever his name is uh, from uh, what is he App State? App State. Daniel Jeremiah's alma mater, Akeem yeah. Davis Gaither. So, yeah, he's so light, he's like, but he I makes think, every tackle he, on the field. Yeah, it was not quite, but uh, he he's at like eleven percent, I think, for last year, maybe close to ten this year. So you know, you're hoping a guy like that tests well and or does other things in there to sort of make you feel better about it. So like. With him, you're sitting there going, well, he can, you know, he, he does some th- certain things in coverage and stuff like that, which makes you feel better about it. The guy, you know, in the same way that when he was coming out, you know, Sioni Takitaki as a linebacker had elite production as a linebacker. He also had elite production the previous two years as an edge guy. 
Zach Bond this year has elite production at both. So, or, well, I should say he has elite production as an edge rusher. He has excellent uh, tackle solo tackle mark share for an edge rusher. He has pretty good solo tackle mark share for a pretty good linebacker. He's at like 11 12%. That's really, really good considering where he is on the field. So, again, in terms of like you're trying to project forward uh, what they're going to do in the NFL. So, you know, you're sitting there, Mac Wilson, and you're sitting there looking at, at Patrick Queen, and you're trying to project this. They did make tackles at Alabama and LSU, but you're now expecting them to carry a large amount of responsibility to make tackles for the Cleveland Browns against Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and, and I guess Cincinnati, uh, that you have to be able to count on them to do that. So how much do you want to project? Are you are you trying to say that a guy who didn't make those tackles for whatever reason uh, is suddenly going to be able to do that? And you found out the hard way with Mac Wilson that that simply didn't happen. The two interceptions in preseason miraculously didn't carry over into a Pro Bowl year. He was awful. And you're hoping that the, the fact that this past year, you basically doubled his starting experience from the one year at Alabama where he played 15 games because they, you know, they, they went as far as they did to the 16 games that with the Browns, that you're hoping that really carries over, but it's just, that's, you know, there's very little reason to believe that he's the answer. And to me, I don't think the Browns can or will go into the season, assuming he's going to start. I mean, for now they have no choice, but, um, and you can't fill every hole and obviously they, He's going to end up probably with a major role. Question is what he does with it. Pete, is there anybody in this class who probably has a bigger market share than Evan Weaver? I mean, that dude's off the charts. Question is going to be the testing. No, I, I, maybe there is at a different level, but for FBS, no, Evan Weaver's the king. He's at like a hair under 20%. It's just stupid. And if you watch it <laughs> on tape, you're not questioning it. It's he's He's phenomenal in terms of just – you know, you may not love everything he does on the field, but it, he plays like if he doesn't end up with his hands on the ball carrier, even if the guy's already down, like that just seems to be a thing he does. And that make you know, that's a problem for his teammate, Ashton Davis, who just didn't make very many tackles. So, yeah, Evan Weaver, 19.7% of all the tackles Cal's defense made this year. I and mean, he has something like 188 last year. Cal's defense is set up so the linebackers do all the work. So a guy I liked last year – I think he's sitting in Carolina as an undrafted free agent, which Jordan Kunazic, uh, who had, you know, like, you know, 17, 18, 19% last year too. Uh, you know, there was a guy at uh, Kansas uh, that had an obscene amount of market share. And that's where, you know, it's not to say that Evan Weaver is the best linebacker in the draft. He has cleared that hurdle. He's elite in that area. Now watch the tape and see what he does. Now see what the athletic testing does and, and sort of match him up. Uh, you know, the expectation is he's just going to test pretty slowly. I think he's going to be a Mike Backer only type, but I mean, the name of the game, you're on defense, go tackle guys. And he, he did that uh, at the highest level possible, uh, which is what you want. And in his case, he did it while, you know, having 11 tackles for loss, three pass breakups, three force fumbles and two and a half sacks. So, there's certainly a, a, a role for that type of guy. Will, you know, will his athleticism hold him back potentially? Well, I mean, the question with the athleticism, you could always just, you know, find one of these three, four teams and make them, you know, one of the other inside backers there and produ- production will probably show up. Uh, guy like well, that like, though. Go ahead. 
the like last year, a guy I was really high on until he tested like crap uh, was also a Wisconsin guy, and that was uh, let me see if I can find him real quick. Was uh, I remember T.J. Edwards, and T.J. Yes. Edwards was phenomenal in terms of tackle. His tape was great, and he tested like crap. Uh, he still ended up being a major contributor as a rookie for the Eagles, I believe it was. So, I mean, on some level, that's why I think production is way more important than the athletic stuff. But nevertheless, especially in the early rounds, but there's no reason you can't do it for most of the rounds, get all of it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's why I get people like to argue and, and want to go with, well, you know, I don't care that he didn't do A or B or C. But to me, I think you can get all three, which is how you end up getting those players that you're really happy with. Joe Schobert is a good example of that, who was really productive, more than athletic enough, and has been that way in the NFL, even though people like to call him slow, despite the fact he's not slow. Miles Garrett, obviously, uh, was a, a freaky producer, athlete, athlete, and all those other things. Um, the, the, you know, the, the over and over again, you know, as much as people want to go, well, look at Corey Coleman and assume, well, that, you know, analytics is officially over, uh, that, you know, you, you look throughout the Browns roster or other rosters and you go, who are the guys that are, are producing? And the team I would point to for most people would be like the New Orleans Saints, who are loaded with guys who fit that mold. And I'll say it again because it never seems to get through. Michael Thomas had elite production in college. It's his market share, his yards divided what Ohio State did passing. They passed almost not at all. So his 700 and something yards or 800 yards, whatever, was over 30% market share, which is fan-freaking-tastic for a receiver. And he tested really well. And his tape was good. So he's great. Like, it's like the people are like, well, why didn't analytics take uh, Michael Thomas? They did. They just did it in the second round. It was the Saints that did it. The Browns failed to properly vet him as a person or I guess project what would happen when he got money in his wallet. And that has sort of been his downfall. Yeah. There's no, um, you know, analytic measurement for, I love IG quote unquote models. Um, we'll continue to roll on through here. We got the, you know, five more picks in the pre-combine mock. Um, another probably burning issue to get to locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd. Pete Smith, uh, near Vermilion, living Vermilion, driving through Vermilion. You want a good meal? You were pit barbecue. Uh, John Vaughn, good friend of mine. Uh, we talk a lot about the Browns. We talk a lot more about grilling meat, preparing meat, flavoring meat. Uh, John's got your pit barbecue, the same vicinity of Zabo Apparel. Uh, you know, passion for it. Um, you know, meat, slow cooked, smoked, all that stuff, which I appreciate. Good flavor to it. Browns, you know, theme specials, sandwiches, you know, once a week. Yeah, I'm sorry, for the week. Uh, so go ahead, check out your pit barbecue with John Vaughn. Pop on in, tell my uh, we sent you. Have yourself a great meal. Talk some Browns. Pop on over to Zabo Apparel. Get some shirts and all that good stuff. But in Vermilion, Brown stuff. Go ahead, check it out. John Vaughn, your pit barbecue. As we continue to roll on here, 20, we'll do 26 through 30 tonight. Uh, we got more to do here as far as preview-wise for the actual workouts kick off so we can you know save those last two picks for the Super Bowl teams. Um, on the clock at 26, 
Um, and you're going to hear this name a billion times in the 2020 NFL draft. Now on the clock, the Miami Dolphins. Um, to this point, Pete, you know, early to attack Leavola, Josh Jones. So that's taken care of. Two of the weird anomaly where the left hand is like significantly bigger than the right hand. I'm not sure if that was like combine manipulated. Six feet, you know, which really isn't an issue anymore. You know, obviously everything with two is about the hip and whatever you think of his game. Josh Jones, 26 feet here. You've gone twice on offense. Is it time to go defense? Is you going to add? I mean, the receiving core did a nice job last year. Is it running back? Is it something for the defensive side of the ball? Miami Dolphins on a clock, 26 overall. Yeah, I mean, the, the other big area of concern for the Miami Dolphins, which is why I laugh when people tell me that the uh, Dolphins were, you know, significantly better than the Bronze that went 0-16. Their defensive line accounts for, is made up of Sam Egwavoen, Trent Harris, Andrew Van Ginkle and Terrell Hanks at out, at their sort of outside backer edge rush guy, along with Charles Harris, Chase Allen, James Crawford, and Jake Carlock. Those are their edge guys. John Jenkins at one in uh, sort of no uh, five technique. Christian Wilkins, their first round pick at the other. They've got Taco Charlton, who is like their best pass rusher, which tells you all they were really crushed. When they had to let or, uh, uh, Omar Kelly was very disappointed when the uh, Dolphins had to let go of uh, Nate Orchard because, as he put it, he was their best pass rusher. Um, the one guy they have that I would really, I really wish the Browns could have gotten a hold of somehow would have been Zach Sealer, who they got from the Ravens. But in any case, their defensive line is god awful, and particularly they have no edge rush whatsoever. Their front seven is abominable as a whole. But in any case, uh, as a result, they go with, uh, uh, from uh, Penn State, they add uh, Yater Matos, uh, Gross Matos, the edge rusher. I'm very curious to see what he measures in at this week and everything with him, but he's very productive. Um, they obviously have a little bit of a track record with Penn State. Uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of being able to move him around and do different things with him, he seems like he's a good fit for what they want to do. And we've talked about him, and actually we talked a little bit about him last night. Um, but they just need somebody, and maybe this is the perfect spot for him where it's just, you know what, this is all you're concerned about. One concern only, get in the backfield, get in the backfield consistently, often, get after the quarterback. And, you know, obviously, you know, Flores with his defensive background, that's what they're going to need. Um, with the Dolphins, um, you guys have heard me do shows with him. Travis Wingfield uh, used to be the host of Locked On Dolphins, now is – with the Miami Dolphins doing a show with them. Congratulations, Travis. Keep killing it, bud. Proud of you. Go ahead, kick ass. 27th on the clock. Seattle Seahawks. And look, it was it was close. Uh, you know, gave it all a run, but here you are. But Pete, what's the difference for Seattle? What do you got to do to and look, it's you know, San Francisco probably isn't going away, even if they lose a piece or two. Uh, Kyle Shanahan at least knows how to game plan and call for what he's got. Seattle, 27. What do they? What's going to be the difference to get the Seattle Seahawks over maybe somebody in the NFC Championship game? Well, I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, a lot of what Seattle's issues are, are on defense. 
it's not to say their offensive line is good because it isn't, but I, I don't know if they're going to jump. Russ, I mean, overcompens- jump a- Russ compensates for a lot of that. Yeah, they could theoretically go for a guy like, you know, uh, what's his face uh, out of the offensive tackle out of USC, Austin Jackson. They could theoretically jump on him and try to, you know, put him at right tackle because they've got, uh, you know, they've got uh, a decent left tackle in, in Dwayne Brown. They're okay on a couple of their interior spots. Jermaine Effetti continues to exist. So, I mean, on a lot of fronts, that makes a lot of sense. The problem is Seattle's front uh, is still bad. Um, Javadavian Clowney is very good. Puna Ford is good. Ziggy Ansa was a corpse. It did very little for them. Jerron Reed is a nose. He's okay. And the problem is they added uh, added LJ Collier in the first round last year, and he didn't play. He was so bad. Unprepared and ill-equipped, which I believe I had a terrible pick at the time. Talking about how great he was, and I said the better guy was Ben Benegu. Uh, but uh, they've got Rasheem Green. But the problem is, I don't feel any better about their front, um, and that's really where the issue is. And I think if they don't go offensive tackle, it's because they do something like adding Marlon Davidson from Auburn to almost make up for the fact that they took L.J. Collier. Maybe L.J. Collier will be better this year, but it wasn't good at coming out of TCU. So I don't know why they think that would happen, but Marla Davidson uh, is another long uh, guy who can play on the edge. He can move inside, play outside, which is what Jadavian Clowney can do for them. And he can play that outside, you know, on the outside opposite him where Ziggy Ansa was. And maybe that's, can help them a lot. Obviously, if if they can get something out of LJ Collier, would certainly up their rotation. But again, you are in a division where you have a bunch of young quarterbacks, uh, you know, in golf, in uh, Murray, in, in Jimmy Garoppolo, and you have uh, Murray, and you have to find a way to sort of track these guys down. And I think that has to be their thought process with this. Their linebackers are great, uh, but they're their front continues to be underwhelming. Uh, and that, look, I mean, the name of the game is it's getting after the quarterback. And um, it's great that Russ can bail you out of so many situations. But, I mean, how long can he continue to pull this Houdini act? Um, you guys are getting after the other team's quarterback. And, you know, the old get after the quarterback and get after the quarterback hard. 28 Baltimore Ravens. Um, obviously, we hope it's a kicker. We hope it's a punter. We hope it's the worst draft choice ever. Um, it, it looks, Pete, like the stars are going to the line where they're going to tag Judon, which is going to zap them of almost most of their cap, which is fine. Fantastic. Whatever. Okay. Spend all the, you know, the cap space you have on one player. Ravens up, Pete, 28 overall. Sure. So the Ravens um, have some questions uh, with their defensive line and linebackers. Uh, they have to. They love what they've got going on in the secondary for the most part, um, and they could theoretically add more weaponry to the offense. But I think they have to sort of sit tight and let it work its magic. So if they ultimately can get this thing done with Judon, it would certainly make things easier. Uh, if they can't, uh, that might uh, change what they're going to do with their draft pick. But given what they are. And the issue they had with Patrick on Wosor last year, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and give them 
the super productive linebacker at LSU, Patrick Queen. Hmm. That that's interesting. Um, well, super productive. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they they would, couldn't be in on CJ Mosley, which right now probably looks, you know, CJ Mosley did nothing for the Jets besides collect checks. Um, and obviously the Ravens were the number one seed. Granted, it didn't work out like they thought it was going to be, but you know, that might be, you know, they put together, you know, linebackers just out of nowhere, essentially. So it does make a ton of sense. 29 overall Tennessee Titans. Obviously a lot's got to be done there. Is it going to be Tannehill for another year? Um, are you going to find a way to pay Derrick Henry? Um, Jack Conklin, um, you know, because everybody wants to put him here in Cleveland, whatever, and everybody wants to put these big contracts. Uh, Tennessee Titans, 29. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are tough because they aren't bad anywhere. I mean, they're they're not good at quarterback, certainly, but they're not And they play bad. their own brand. They don't play what's going to be 2020 NFL. They play their brand, but they're good at their brand. Right. So, like I said, they're not – hurting necessarily but the, the problem is their their biggest spots are obviously question marks and you know they're they're in that position where they would probably love to be able to draft their quarterback for the future and maybe they will at some point but for now they have to continue to roll as if they're going to you know try to add another you know one last piece type deal to the theoretical puzzle and given what they're dealing what what they've got right now, um, it's tough. I, I'm going to go ahead and give them Zach Bond from Wisconsin. They play a unique defensive scheme in that they you know they have a three front an odd front, but they do some stuff where they'll put you know guys with their hands on the on the ground. They'll do some different things and move guys around. And you know they've got guys like Correa, um, who's a free Greg, agent. Yeah, he hasn't really done a whole lot. And then obviously, you know, you've got Cam Wake, who's you know, 38 years old right now um, and still still works. But, you know, you have to be able to sort of move within that. So I think Zach Bond gives them a lot of versatility and ways they can use them and sort of mix up their, their scheme in terms of attacking the opponent. And he's just a tremendous player. Uh, a little undersized, but does everything else, and it just fits what they like to do defensively. Yeah, I mean, because you can't keep Correja. At least with Bond, it gives you the – he can rush the passer, and he can handle his hash mark to the sideline. Um, so you're basically, you know, getting the same guy. If you do lose Correa, Correja, if you don't and you keep him, that's great. So now you got somebody else to do that on the other side, and middle of the field guys can continue to patrol the middle of the field. Green Bay Packers, uh, obviously not enough to keep up with the San Francisco 49ers um, defensively, but it's getting to the point here, Pete, where, look, it's Aaron Jones, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Devontae Adams, and what's left? Um, They put a lot into that defense, whether it was two pass rushers last year, whether it was Jairi Alexander, whether it was your boy uh, Darnell Savage. I mean, a lot's been put into that defense. Maybe it's time where you got to look to a little bit more in the L. Uh, theoretically, uh, <laughs> you know they, they actually added three defensive alignment last year. It's just one of them happened to be drafted and couldn't play. Uh, you know, 
you took a guy who looked really good and tested really well, but uh, didn't produce at Michigan. So, yeah, I don't know if that worked out real well. But the obvious thing they have to sort of figure out right now is, you know, it comes down to Bulaga. And, you know, I think they're going to go that route. I think they're going to take uh, Anthony Jackson out of the USC. They're going to try to make him the right tackle and try to get him to sort of really put a stamp on that position uh, and, and sort of fix that at a very cheap rate, which is part of the problem is they, they paid uh, they, they paid their left tackle a ton of money deservedly. He may end up in the hall of fame in David Bakhtiari. Their interior is okay. Now, you know, I don't think anyone loves Billy Turner, but you know, he, he's decent, but he's you know, a gamer. Jason, yeah, it's Brian Bulag is probably leaving. You've got Jason Spriggs who just hasn't, you know, hasn't become that guy. And, you know, it just – I think they are going to go ahead and grab uh, another tackle and see if they can't fix it from that standpoint. The one pending free agent I would keep an eye out for the Browns would be Blake Martinez. He's very good. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's in a world where they let Schobert go, which I hope they do not. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Um, we're short here on time. And, obviously, Pete and I – a bunch of back and forth today with everybody on social media, on Twitter with Olivier Vernon. And I'm just going to leave you guys with this um, with a first time general manager, with a first time head coach, everybody's, Oh, well, let's just go to free agency and we'll get what we need. Guys, Cleveland's never been a huge destination free agent wise. And now with a first time GM and a first time head coach, I'm not sure you're just walking in and just throwing some money down and walking away with what you want. Olivier Vernon does his job. Yes, I get it, the injuries. The same respect, though. Olivier Vernon went five years in the NFL. His first five years in the NFL did not miss one game. To those who say, oh, well, the injuries, the injuries. Denzel Ward's missed some time here over his first two years. So if you're so quick to jettison Olivier Vernon, are you that quick to jettison Denzel Ward? Stop. You're not. Injuries, it's a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. This is the biggest factor in this sport. Think about it. That's all I'm going to say. SI.com. Make sure you're checking out everything over there. Browns-wise, if you are, it's Pete and it's his, and his crew putting together great work. At underscore Pete Smith underscore. Make sure you're following the guy. The show itself, at Lockdown Browns. You all know the drill. Follow back account. DMs are open. I'm doing my best, guys. Like, today was, like, really a dark day because, like, a lot. The combine week's tough to keep up with everything you guys are trying to filter to me. I apologize. Just doing my best. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Again, DMs are open over there. I appreciate you guys. You know, once we get this week and we can digest it, any questions you got, we can get to that stuff next week. Start flowing on through it. But this week, a lot, a lot of work's got to be done. Content to be put out. A lot of stuff to be absorbed. With that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.